Jesus died for me. service this evening. Let's put it in the key of B flat. 
let's sing um, that song. I'm in that number. We'll just change it up just a little bit this evening and speed it up. I'm in that number. I'm in that number. I'm in that number. Again, why? I'm in that number. I'm in that number. Oh, I'm in that number. Again, why? I'm in that number. That blood wash number. I'm in that number. Broken white. I'm in that number. That blood wash number. I'm in that number. Broken white. John saw that number. That blood wash number. John saw that number open wide. John saw that number, that blood wash number. John saw that number open wide. I'm in that number. Oh, I'm in that number. I'm in that number open wide. I'm in that number, I'm in that number, all broken white. I'm in that number, that blood wash number. I'm in that number, broken white. I'm in that number, that blood wash number. I'm in that number, all broken white. I'm in that number, oh, I'm in that number. I'm in that number, broken white. I'm in that number, I'm in that number, oh, I'm in that number, broken white. One more time. That blood wash number, I'm in that number, broken white. I'm in that number, that blood wash number, I'm in that number, broken white. Amen. Let's uh, sing that song, um, If That Isn't Love. This evening, we'll go ahead and uh, go to the Lord uh, with some needs. And uh, it's key of G. Go ahead and change the order of the service here. If that is a Yeah. 
you would just continue to play that softly. I just have a few prayer requests here, and uh, I'll just have you remain standing. We just want to uh, continue to remember Sister Sherry Holly, uh, just with her, that the Lord would just give her a touch. And uh, we just want to remember Brother Burley, who has an upcoming surgery still, so we just want to remember him. And also, uh, Sister Carrie Whitlock uh, had a little mishap and uh, is wanting us to pray for her for a speedy recovery. So if we could just remember her as well. And uh, that is all the prayer requests that I have. I know we all have many unspoken prayer requests, and the Lord knows those needs just by the lifting of your hands. And if I could have uh, Brother Aaron come up and pray over these needs for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening, Lord Jesus, for the privilege that we can close our eyes and we can speak to you, Lord. Father, we have these prayer requests that are before us, Lord, that we are presenting to you, Lord, knowing that your word says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Father, your children have raised their hands, oh God. We think of the Whitlocks, we think of Holly, we think of Brother Burley, and the different ones that have not been mentioned here, Lord. We ask that, Father, you may stretch forth your hand of mercy and be able to heal them, Lord. We remember, Father, in the days of the prophet, you'd always come in the meetings, and the prophet would say, the people come to my right because that's where the angel of the Lord stands. Father, we have no doubt tonight that you are here and your presence is with us. For your word says, whenever two or three are gathered in my name, I shall be there in their midst. Father, even as our pastor comes to minister the word, may you just bless him, O oh God. May the anointing of the Holy Spirit, O oh God, give him utterance, Father. For the Bible says that you sent forth your word and it healed. Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks, Father, because we know that you have already answered this request that we have asked. Father, for you said, ask and believe and it shall be done unto thee. Father, we bind our faith together, Lord. Lord, we curse the devil. Father, we rebuke the enemy by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the name of our Lord who raised from the dead. Father, we know, O oh God, that you are more than able to do the impossible, more than we can ever ask or imagine. Bless the rest of the service. We commit everything into your hands. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. this one in a while, so we'll give it a try. So swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, it's coming for to carry me Did I see coming toward to carry me home? Up and up, angels coming after me. They're coming toward to carry me home. So swing low, sweet chariot, coming toward to carry me home. 
where there is no misunderstanding. And from all enmity and strife we're free. And no unkind words to wrong the heart are
time, if the ushers would just come forward and we'll go ahead and take our tithes and offering. If you would just continue to play that softly, Sister Becky. Amen. Brother Andy, if you would just pray over tithes and offering. here before Brother Barry comes. I forgot to mention it, but uh, a mile marker, I believe, was achieved by someone today. It is Brother Smith's 80th birthday. So uh, just, uh, he's not here. This I don't think, I don't see him. So, uh, but just uh, wish him a happy birthday. Uh, just send him a text or a message. I know they would greatly appreciate that. So, But uh, just as Brother Barry comes this evening, let's put it in the key of C. Let's sing the song, Commune with me.
Yes, I'll meet you there Between wings of the cherubim I'll meet you there Praise the Lord. It's good to be in God's house tonight. Let's pray together as the musicians continue to play. And uh, we've also been asked to remember uh, Brother Hunter's father. Uh, he had an operation on his shoulder today, and it was kind of a routine operation, but it triggered a heart, possible heart attack. And so um, that's the latest I've got, and uh, we sure want to hold him up in prayer uh, this evening. Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence tonight, Lord, the needs never end lord there's always something there's lord danger at every hand the enemy was working overtime not only against your people lord but against people in general i'm so glad lord that we can stand and say greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world and in the name of jesus christ now we bring these requests before you tonight lord these ones that brother mitchell has mentioned lord and bring to you tonight for hunter's father and lord we ask that you would just draw near to him lord and give him that touch that he needs and lord may hunter be a real representative of the kingdom there and lord just say the right things and just be present lord and father we commit that need to you now because we know that you care about all we go through lord we have mentioned brother burley tonight lord and he's He's just been struggling, Lord, and waiting for that corrective surgery. And, Father, we're asking in the name of Jesus Christ that you would undertake for our brother. And, Lord, we pray that you bring him through that and help him, Lord, right where he is. And the best thing we can do, Lord, is lay that need at your feet tonight. Lord, for all of our needs that we have accumulated, Lord, and special requests that are upon our hearts, Father, we pray now that you would just draw near, I pray, and Touch us, Lord, and minister personally now to each one, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask these things. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. If you don't mind taking your Bible, let's look in the Scripture. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 17 again. Just before we begin this morning, just uh, this evening, I just wanted to correct a uh, bring a couple of things here. We have not uh, sufficiently acknowledged all of our graduates, and we're going to be doing that, Lord willing, on June 26th. That's a Sunday. We're going to have a dinner and a couple of special things. We'll probably, Lord willing, have a baptism on that Sunday as well. Uh, that'll be on June 26th, so mark your calendar for that, that Sunday. Um, also as well, we have a sister who is from Norway who was in Tennessee uh, the last couple of days, Sister Anita, she's coming through tomorrow, going to be passing through here and uh, going to be flying out on Friday. She needs to be picked up and then uh, someone to keep her overnight, get her to the airport on uh, Friday, if that's possible. If anybody's able to do that, uh, if you could let Sister Becky know after the service, uh, that would be great. She's, uh, uh, like I say, just passing through very uh, quickly, and uh, the Ivies helped uh accommodate her when she came over, and uh, if you're able to do that, just let Sister Becky know after the service tonight. 
Revelation chapter 17. This is an important scripture. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will. And he's referring to kingdoms and nations and kings here that exist in the end time. And God is putting things in their heart, not necessarily believers, but he's putting it in their heart to fulfill his will and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. May God add his blessing. You may be seated tonight. I did not acknowledge this on Sunday, and I wanted to just uh, acknowledge the passing, the tragic passing a week ago of uh, Charlie and Rachel Collins and a young couple that were 21, 23 years old and uh, just newly married, I think about a year. And last Wednesday night, their house exploded due to uh, gas accumulation there. And uh, their family certainly uh, been devastated by that up in Ohio. And uh, we know uh, their families uh, pretty well and certainly uh, hated to see that kind of tragedy. It's just one of those things where uh, I mean, how do you how do you even feel that or explain that? You know, unless you've been through something like that, and we certainly want to hold them up in prayer. They had a memorial service over this uh, last weekend there. <clears throat> well, let's jump in this evening. And I told you that we were going to talk a little bit in a special way about the situation, the current situation in Ukraine, and and some ways that it's related to current events in the world. And uh, as we begin tonight, I know there's a number of uh, other uh, folks that are tuned in, and we've got uh, some churches that have canceled their service, and they're listening tonight as their service to catch the, up, uh, the update here. And uh, we, we greet them, folks in Tennessee and different uh, places all around. We just appreciate them being with us tonight uh, in, in sync and, and uh, online. So... May God bless them. I, I've been touched by the uh, extent of the outpouring around the world uh, from people who I don't know, never met, and, uh, and many that I have met that have uh, been very compassionate and uh, concerned about the folks in Ukraine. And so uh, it's been uh, really good to be a part of the whole process of uh, getting materials and money and so forth over to the people in uh, Eastern Europe, and then also into the country of Ukraine itself, and to be able to help them. So we're, we're delighted to be a part of that working body that uh, really feels it when, uh, when one member hurts, and that's exactly the way that it should be. Now, I want to uh, jump right in because I have a lot of uh, hay on my fork tonight here, a lot of ground to cover. And uh, all of this, I think, or for the most part, about 95% of it is going to be brand new for you, images that you haven't seen uh, that people have sent me over the last little while. And my problem is just keeping up with all the communication and letting everybody know what's going on and people want to see it and uh, so forth. And I, I understand that. And so that's why I'm taking a service and kind of condensing everything and putting it together. Uh, our website will reflect these uh, these services, and I will say this to anybody uh, out there uh, who wants to use this PowerPoint, you're certainly welcome to use any or all of it. Uh, I told my wife today about half of my time in preparing this is making sure that I have permission from people all over the world to use these images so that I don't get anybody in trouble or uh, have, uh, you know, governments uh, track back and, and uh, somehow trace things back to them uh, in, in dangerous parts of the world, like in Russia. 
Uh, it's a common occurrence for believers when they cross over the Russian border into Ukraine or from the Ukrainian border into Russia. Uh, they will take their phones and completely erase them. Uh, it's very common for them to do that because they don't want to have anything at all that connects them to someone else in the country. And uh, they may even make a phrase or a statement that may uh, cause some problems. So I don't want to do that either. And so what I've got here tonight is uh, free and clear. So anybody who's listening and would want to use that, you're certainly welcome to, uh, to, to uh, take that and use it for your church and show them what's going on. You're welcome to do that. Now, uh, I'm going to go kind of fast through here in the first part just to kind of get your uh, thoughts together here. Uh, the, the 80% here that the, the, this headline says that Russians control 80% of uh, a key Ukrainian city. Uh, it's a major city that the Russians have been uh, attacking over the last little while. It's a city of 100,000 people, uh, Severe Donetsk is what it's called. It's not Donetsk. It's uh, about 80 miles away from where that is, and there's about 12,000 people that remain in there. Uh, the Russians are agreeing. They're in, in talks with creating a humanitarian corridor, but that humanitarian corridor will only go uh, into Russian territory. So they're not allowing them to go into other parts of Ukraine or in other parts of Europe. So if they get on the escape route, they've got to go to Russia, and that changes things. And so the reason I have this screen up here is because I want you to know and I want you to be very clear in understanding that the situation in Ukraine is certainly not over. It's not resolved. Uh, there are still a lot of problems that are happening there. And even though there are other things, as I've said before, that the media will put in place of this event, this event matters to us because there's a lot of believers who are involved. It also matters to us because it is clearly prophecy being fulfilled, and we'll talk a little bit about some of that today. Uh, so it's significant, and uh, in this part of the re this part of Ukraine, the eastern and southern part of Ukraine, the Russians are uh, gaining ground. They, it's not reported by the Ukrainian media. Uh, obviously, they don't want to discourage their people at all. But this is an area where the Russians have been relentless, and their scorched earth policy of just destroying everything in their path. Uh, they don't care about that. They will rebuild, and uh, uh, they don't care who they kill in the process. And so this is one of this, uh, key cities that if it falls, it would be a significant victory for, uh, for the Russian people. Now, let's just look back in uh, a couple of statements Brother Branham said. Will the prophecy of Ezekiel 38, 39 be fulfilled before the rapture? And he says, I think not. I think the next thing we look for is the rapture of the church. And then that Ezekiel 38, when Gog and Magog comes down, is the Russian armies who comes in at the, and then he trails off in the question there. So I believe the bride's going to be gone before Ezekiel 38, 39 is completely fulfilled. Is that all right? And that means that we'll be out of here before it all eventually winds up. Now, in the oncoming storm, in that sermon, Brother Branham said, Now, there's the last sign. And Jesus said, When you see the fig tree putting forth its buds, know at the time is nigh, even at the door, Israel begin to be restored. So we've got to keep in context now that the last sign for the Gentiles is Israel back in her homeland. Right? That's our timepiece. It's not Ukraine and it's not Russia. It's Israel. 
And so watching what happens in Israel is significant, and, and Israel is a very interesting player uh, in this whole ordeal. But that's our time frame, and that's our, that's our clock, and we had to make sure we keep that, uh, keep that in mind. They have their own money, and about four weeks ago, her own currency. She's a full nation. And what are we waiting for? What are we waiting until the gospel turns back to the Jews, but the closing of the Gentiles? I believe what we're looking at now is the closing of the Gentiles. Whatever way Brother Branham defines that, that's what we're experiencing now is the closing down of the Gentiles. I believe when it closes down, it'll close down with a bang. I believe it'll close down with a lot of trouble all over the world. And I think it'll require a bailout that'll have to happen from a, uh, a power that's beyond anything like the United States or uh, European Union or anything else. And we're moving towards that all the time. And so this is the area of focus that we're talking about uh, right now. And, of course, Ukraine is embedded in there in the middle of the map. And uh, there, are, uh, there are lots of things that are happening inside there. We estimate probably between 120 and 170 families that are still left inside Ukraine. They are harder to get to now because if they're in there, they're usually embedded pretty deeply. Uh, they don't want to give away their locations. They don't want to give away information or pictures about themselves in that part of the world. So before, it was easier to get pictures and information and communication from them. Uh, because they were in safer parts of Ukraine, but now it's more difficult even to find them. We're still finding them. We still have channels open to be able to get money to them, which is great. The supplies inside Ukraine are more sparse and obviously, therefore, more expensive. And so we're increasing the amount of funds that we send to them when we find them, and uh, even today I was given a list of some new families that are over there that I didn't know about and uh, we're trying to get funds over to them. Sometimes we had to send them to uh, different countries and then they know people who know people who know people and we get it in that way. We don't send any funds until we know exactly where they're going and uh, we follow up and verify that they actually receive the funds uh, through our channels that we have. We have three groups of people, three groups of senders who, who supply funds into the country there. And funds have dwindled down because we have done this continually. Uh, but, uh, Lord willing, we are uh, continuing to try to get, uh, you know, monies to those people because we know that they are there and we know that they are uh, not receiving any funds from the state at all, from the country of Ukraine, neither are they able to get out and work. And the men are not able to get, still get out on the streets in the country of Ukraine. So uh, it's dangerous for them to even be seen. So therefore, we try to do what we can in this effort here. In the message, who is this, Brother Branham says, isn't it a comfort after these great stern talks from Khrushchev? And that's when he was at the UN and beat his shoe on the table. He said they re, the remarks that they have made the hangars ready that could destroy the world uh, just a minute, and this is prior to Cuba. Uh, he's, this was the threat in that time. He said, press a button, and they would, that would be all of it. But to look in the pages of this Bible uh, before that can ever happen, the church has gone home. Say it with me. The church has gone home. Before that all of this takes place, he said, look in the pages of the Bible. Before that can ever happen, he said, the church has gone home. And what a relief to know that that'll never touch us. And we're just as safely as it can be. And to know that it isn't just some hiding place that the government has formed for us, but it's a hiding place that God has. And we can rest assured that it's just as perfect as it can be. Aren't you glad for that? 
When God hides something or somebody, they're well hidden. Don't you worry. They're free from danger, and we're glad for that. I'm glad to be in that hiding place tonight. So uh, as you remember, we uh, met some of these refugees that came out of Ukraine. I wanted to follow one of the families here just as we go, uh, as we look through it here. This is one of the first images that we had, and uh, these are a couple of the families. And so uh, they came across the border, and then, of course, they got into Poland. And I met them when I was over in Poland there. And this was a shot just taken a couple of days ago. And uh, one of the young girls here had a birthday. And uh, some of the people from the church in uh, Poland were there uh, to help her celebrate the birthday. And so they're, uh, they're doing well. They're integrating, uh, you know, into that community of, of believers there, which is really great. I had a chance to meet some believers in Norway who were doing the same thing. Uh, most of them, though, had said they would either like to return to Ukraine when it's peaceful or have their husbands come out of Ukraine and live uh, near the border of Ukraine so that they can uh, carry on what they would refer to as normal life. Some of these sisters actually have uh, some uh, jobs, so they're able to earn a little income and bring some funds in. We're still sending funds to help support them and help pay their rent, which is quite high. And uh, mainly because landlords don't want to, uh, they do everything by a lease, and they don't want to give a lease to somebody who's a refugee. Because they don't know whether they're going to be there in three months or six months, so normally they have a 12-month lease. And they don't want to, uh, they don't want to uh, enter into a lease with refugees because they're afraid they'll break it and they'll go back to their own country. So it makes it very expensive. In order for them to get a place to live, it's very expensive for them to, to, uh, to find a place there. I also found out, and I didn't realize this, that in all of the EU, the conditions for remaining in their countries is not all the same. So in some countries, they were given a three-week pass so they can have support from the government, they can have language training, they can have food and supplies and shelter, but maybe only for three weeks. In some places, it goes to three years. It really just depends on the wealth of the nation. So in Norway, they have a much longer period to sustain the refugees, and in other countries, it's very short. So three months is not that long of a time. So this is a, an ongoing thing that will uh, roll out here as uh, some of these folks who are, uh, you know, trying to scratch out a living. They're doing their very best, but some of them want to stay close to the border of Ukraine for family reasons. But this is the same family. Some of the brothers in uh, Poland got together and built some furniture for the children so they could play in the place that they're living. And it was really nice to be able to see that. In general, in Ukraine, the, je- the people want to have peace. This is a billboard that is a reproduction of a children's drawing where it says in the Russian language that uh, they want Russia to be at peace. And uh, this, is, uh, this is the general feeling that uh, the Ukrainian people are willing to do whatever it takes in order to have uh, peace in their nation because it's been uh, four months now, I believe, and uh, it's uh, changed everything about uh, their way of life. It has disrupted the Ukrainian church, and many of the ministers, there's only one or two, uh, maybe three of the churches that are still gathering over there. And one of them I wanted to show you. This is in Kiev, and uh, well, let's go ahead and, and uh, cue that. They, they made a little video of brothers who came back to Kiev, and uh, they are beginning the process of rebuilding. You can go ahead, Jeremy, and, and or whoever's on there, and run that uh, little video clip. It's just them singing in the church. And I've preached in this church before. I don't know if Peter was with me in that church, uh, but we were 
Uh, yeah, that's it. And uh, they don't have a pastor. Their pastor is actually in Germany. And, uh, but they're gathering together and they're coming back to the city because it's relatively peaceful there. And they're in the process of rebuilding the city. And so some of these believers got together. Yeah, go ahead. I'm just talking to you. Click. Happy to be back. So they're they're back in that uh, in that uh, area again, holding a, a church, and they'll they'll get together and do what they can. Now again, it's risky for them to be out on the street to go and and gather a church, but they do anyway, and uh, they they just uh, are enjoying their times together because for so long they've not been able to do it. Now uh, this is uh, as you may remember from the last upgrade up, update that I did. Uh, this is uh, two brothers here, the two brothers that are in the background, uh, who have been instrumental inside Ukraine. They live inside Ukraine. One of them, one of them is a pastor there. And uh, they have been giving out funds uh, systematically to people in the country that I never knew existed. They're spread out in all kinds of little towns. And this is Brother Kostya over here in his town. He's over on the right-hand side here with the little group that's with him. And they have this system set up where they uh, send funds all around and they have families who, uh, in a community, for instance, who will take funds to uh, families that they know of. So they might have one person who's central to three or four families and uh, give out funds that way. And uh, these brothers are just, they've been just uh, doggedly making sure that everyone that they know of receives a little something. And they, uh, they require a lot of wires because they, they don't want to be found with all kinds of money in the bank. Uh, so we have to send lots of little wires over to those people and uh, make sure that it gets spread around. So I'm just going to show you very quickly here. Uh, they complete these reports where they have names and the dates they contacted them, how much money they sent, how much money was deposited in the bank, um, all kinds of information that is uh, accumulated by them, and then they report it back to one of the brothers over here, and he sends it to me. And every cent of, the, of those funds is accounted for. I just wanted to show you that the first uh, shot that I show you of Brother uh, Costia's town there where he was gathered with these people, this was his town this week. And uh, they, were, they were shooting long-range missiles there that are anti-ship missiles because they're running out of the ordinary-type missiles that are uh, strategically set to hit specific targets. And they just shoot into the town. Uh, Brother Costia's uh, apartment building is in the background over there. And uh, this was his neighbor's place there. And uh, it was uh, quite devastating where, uh, where he lives for all of this to be taking place. That's the first time they've ever had any kind of uh, shelling in that area. Western regions of Ukraine were considered safe, but not anymore. And so these, uh, these areas, and this is up where Sister April Grant was uh, when she was in Ukraine. Uh, they were hit by missile attacks there. And the Russian army is targeting army bases, the recruit bases, diesel fuel dumps, ammunition dumps. They hit a big one today. 
uh, any kind of facility that services the war, train stations, train tracks, anything at all, gas, gas and diesel, that's why it's so very expensive uh, in, in, in these cities here, is because the Russians are targeting all of those different places in order to cripple the war effort and supplies coming back over onto the eastern side of Ukraine. And so because of the, uh, the surrounding nature of Russia there, they're able to send missiles just about anywhere inside uh, of Ukraine from, Rus- from Russian territory. And because they're indiscriminate, there's all kinds of civilians that are being uh, blown up there, including one of these bombs hit a uh, maternity hospital uh, just the other day again. These are some families that are uh, receiving uh, funds, and I, I just threw some of their pictures up here for you to see. Uh, this brother on the left over here has stage 3 cancer. Uh, they sent me a picture of his uh, cancer, and I wouldn't put it up here tonight and show you, but uh, he has been uh, just, uh, they've just, they've just continually uh, been praying for this brother and holding him up because his treatments have stopped uh, altogether. There's no kinds of services like that uh, that are available in that part of the world. So they were very thankful for the food and for the medicine uh, that they're able to get over the counter uh, over in that part of the world. Sure does help. This is uh, uh, Pastor Kolya, and he, on the right-hand side, I know him. Uh, he was in Ukraine at the meeting when I was there last September, and a uh, very uh, fine brother, and this is just some of the people from his church here, very thankful to, uh, to have received the funds that they have and the support. And this is Brother Oleg Petrenko, and he is uh, a, a very faithful brother pastor there who uh, works very hard. You can see he has four children, but he's still there uh, in the country of Ukraine. He could leave, but he's still there. And he's still there because he's a pastor, and he has a flock of people that he ministers to on a regular basis. Plus, he helps lots of other people uh, in his region there. So, uh, my hat goes off to some of these pastors. They've just been very faithful and uh, very supportive of the people uh, that they minister to in that part of the world. Uh, this is a group in um, uh, Formanovka, which is uh, Brother Manats. And Brother Manats is the brother from Armenia. Uh, he's the brother who's uh, kneeling right here in the very front. And uh, they live in a really poor little rural area. He's a farmer, and they've been just carrying on, having church, and uh, just thanking God that nobody bothers them in that little tiny village over there. And uh, uh, they just uh, they just been pressing on. Uh, he's just a, a real wonderful brother, and uh, lives uh, just very simply, very poorly. And they have uh, received funds as well from. Uh, the uh, the brothers over on this side and been very thankful for it. This is another group from uh, Fructova. And uh, you can see they're gathered in that place there and they have a pastor, Brother uh, Vadim, and uh, they wanted to express their thanks as well for people from the U.S. So I have lots of these that are not always shown here. Uh, Brother Eugene in Ujgarad today, he, say, he said he went out for a walk in the evening there they, because it's dangerous for them to go outside. He goes out sometimes early in the morning and then late uh, in the evening. And uh, he says you can be taken by the military to the front lines right away uh, if they take him. But it's him and his wife there. And uh, they are still stuck in Ujgarad. It's very difficult for them to uh, live there because rents are so high. They're not able to work. They're not able to get out in the daytime. And uh, it, it's just been a real trial for uh, young families like that. But he sent me also a shot of the streets of Ushgarod today. That's what it's like today. What's, and, and the thing that's missing is vehicles. No vehicles there because no one can afford 
the diesel. Hardly anybody can afford gasoline there. So most of the people have to walk. And if they walk, they're limited then in what they can get for uh, supplies for their family. Here's another family that went. Uh, they were forced to go back into Russia. And uh, they were uh, over on the eastern side. And because of the violence there, they went over onto the Russian side. Now, as I told you, I was over in, uh, in Norway and got a chance to meet some of the 38 uh, who were taken out of Donetsk. That channel, by the way, is completely closed. Uh, there's no one now that we know of that's able to get out through that same channel. Uh, there's nobody who's smuggling people out, no matter how much money you pay. And uh, the doors are shut, even though... The situation in Donetsk has changed. Now, I thought it was a little more peaceful. In my, just in my uh, gathering of news and so forth, I thought it was a little more peaceful. But I find out in talking with these folks and then uh, talking with some of the uh, folks who are from Donetsk who live in the United States, they, uh, that it's truly not a very peaceful situation at all. And so we had our picture made, and I've got permission to use all of these pictures here uh, they were very uh, delighted to be able to finally meet and uh, very thankful. They're spread out. and Some of them are uh, in Norway. Some of them are in Germany. Some of them are in Israel. Uh, they're scattered uh, different places there, but they were very relieved to be able to get outside of Donetsk at that particular time. And uh, talking to one of the brothers there who's behind uh, this brother in the white shirt, and uh, first time I had a chance to meet him, his name is Brother David. And uh, won't give you much information about uh, these brothers here, but uh, they're very inst- they were very helpful, and they told us their story about uh, coming out of uh, Donetsk and going in that uh, in that uh, caravan where they got over the mountains and got through. They, they they actually stopped at Russian checkpoints and and got across the Russian checkpoints. They knew when to go and who to go. Uh, through and you know who to see when they got through and had it all figured out it was just a a miraculous way that the doors were open there and uh, these these people asked me to convey to you that uh, you know they were very uh, very grateful for that support to get them out and their families to get out as well so this is what it looks like if you're trying to buy any kind of fuel uh, in in ukraine Uh, everybody's stuck there they can be stuck in these lines for days and uh, it's not even likely that you would, you would even get it before the station runs out. So uh, this is a, a tough spot for the people in Donetsk. So this was two days ago in Donetsk, and there was a bomb that went off in a, in a market there. Uh, this is a relatively peaceful, non-military part of Donetsk. It's a big spread-out city, and uh, there was a market there. One of the sisters in the church was in that marketplace and uh, knocked over by the concussion from the blast. Uh, but this, this was just a bomb that, uh, you know, randomly struck in that area. They gave me the description. They said the last two or three days the city has been under missile attack, and local news say that more than 300 rockets were launched towards Donetsk. The majority of them were intercepted by the anti-missile systems, but still many civilian buildings were damaged, including a maternity ward. And one of the missiles hit a marketplace where Sister... Ina works, and she was pushed down by the shock or the concussion, and thank God she was not hurt. The marketplace located one mile away from Brother Rehobov's house, and he's encouraging believers to leave the city. They're in a desperate need for prayer. Now, that's not been their cry up to this point because they've been able to manage uh, things within their confines, within the city. But now the Russians are becoming much more aggressive uh, inside that part of Ukraine that they're trying to hold. 
So they have actually opened up Russian banks and put ATMs all over the place. Uh, they have uh, ATM access, or sorry, uh, uh, internet cards that they can use to get on the Russian internet. Once they get on the Russian internet, it's very hard for anybody to communicate with them outside of Russia because all of that is completely monitored. So it isn't like, you know, for me to say those things, uh, it sounds funny, but uh, we, we, we really have no idea what it's like, except for Google advertising, uh, to know what it's like that somebody's looking at your uh, looking at your internet at all. But over there, everything you say and everything you do, every transaction you make is all monitored by the state over there. And so the only way to reach them and the only way to get things through them now is through the Russian system, and that's always a risky thing. So uh, you'll have to pray for us that we, uh, we find other ways. This was uh, today. In Donetsk, this was the church of Brother uh, Ryabov, and he, this was uh, some shots that the brothers took, and this is him preaching in his church today. And uh, he looks uh, looks good there. Uh, I've stood in that pulpit many times and preached from there. Uh, it's a great place, still about 80 people there, but now he's advising them to get out and get away from uh, from the situation. Now, <clears throat> let me do a little switch here, and uh, because there are... I have literally hundreds and hundreds of pictures and uh, things like that that I could show you. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I appreciate the people sending me those, and I love to get them, and, and we uh, try to get a lot of them on our website and so forth. But when we stand back and think about this whole conflict a little bit more, it's, uh, it's interesting how it, it uh, affects other things in the world. Because today, as I mentioned to you in the last couple of services, that uh, we, we're, we're living in a world that's much more uh, interconnected than it ever has been before. So there could be, uh, you know, World War I, which took place in uh, Belgium and France and Germany and England and so forth uh, back in that day. It was mostly regionally confined to a certain area, a certain geographical area. Well, today, that even though there's fighting contained in a certain geographical area, uh, there are other consequences of conflict today that uh, are different than it has been ever in time. It's just like diseases today that are uh, that once they're found, they can be spread very easily because so many people travel by air, and uh, there are there are faster, much faster consequences of. Uh, these kinds of actions today. One of the things that's interesting that we have not felt yet much, but you will feel up the road here, is uh, the, the, the food, uh, food production in the world. And this was a little, little short documentary that I uh, had today, and I just took a screenshot of it, of Ukrainian farmers who uh, produce a massive amount of wheat for the world. And lately... What the Russians haven't stole, haven't stolen from Ukraine in grain ships and so forth. And a lot of it already has been taken and stolen uh, from Ukrainian ports and sent off to Russia. Uh, they are now bombing. They're actually making targets of granaries in Ukraine so that they cannot sell the grain and reap the financial benefit of it. But... When you think about the quantity of grain that is sold in this part of the, from this part of the world, uh, that will affect other parts of the world and initially drive prices up in other civilized parts of the world. 
So, for instance, India is stepping up to the uh, plate and, and you know, intending to produce more grain for us uh, for the rest of the world. But they have a lot of mouths to feed. And so, therefore, if they extend their production, it's not going to be near significant enough to replace what Ukraine produces. But interestingly enough, Russia produces more than Ukraine. And here's the diagram. And uh, so when you think about this, if you add these two numbers up now, that you take the Russian amount of grain and the Ukrainian amount of grain, which is number five there in the, uh, in the list, and to extract both of those amounts of grain. And when we talk about grain, we're talking about grains plural, uh, barley and wheat and uh, rye and so forth, all of that. Uh, this is a significant chunk that's taken out of circulation on world markets. And so uh, the, the effect of this is pretty dramatic, really, when you talk about it. Not right now, but the effect is pretty dramatic. So this organization said that Ukraine produced about 80 million metric tons. That's what MMT is, a million metric tons. That's a lot of sacks of flour. Wheat, corn, barley, etc. in 2021 is expected to harvest less than half of that this year. But, I mean, think about it. They can't export what they have. Russia's stolen a bunch of it, and they're bombing the rest of it. So a shortfall of 40 million metric tons is enough missing calories that a country like the United Kingdom could only make it by having everyone stop eating for three years. Now everybody's kind of woken up. Let me give you another fact here, just one more. A single MMT of wheat contains about 3.4 trillion food calories, which is enough to feed every person in Europe for about two days, or the entire population of Africa for about a day and a half. Although, of course, people would still need vitamins and protein. So when we start taking away vast amounts of this grain from the world, world production, uh, it makes a difference. It makes a difference over here. And people who are involved in trucking over here and people who are involved in food production or uh, any, anything like that, food supply, uh, they know it's a, it's, that, that's a big deal. Not at the moment, but down the road here because we're going to see uh, a shift in supply. And other nations trying to make up that difference, which is going to be very hard because all of this stuff in Russia, they're stockpiling that stuff because they're expecting this conflict to go on for a long time. But here's what's interesting. In the fourth seal, 1963, Brother Branham says that Satan, he says in this fourth seal message, he mixes his colors of red, white, and black. Now remember, one of those horse riders was uh, the black one had a balance in his hand. You remember that? A measure of wheat for a penny. And he was one who controlled and influenced commerce and money and exchange and so forth in the world. And three crowns in one shore, 200, he said, uh, paragraph 200, I have seen the crown myself. I know it's the truth. It was a triple crown, the vicar of heaven, purgatory, and earth. Brother Bram was talking about the crown that he saw in Rome when he was over there that the popes wear. Three powers united together. So you have the power of the white horse rider, the black horse rider, the red horse wire, uh, horse rider, the power to kill, the power to control commerce, all of that dealing with money in the world, all combined in the last day. So you, to me, what you're seeing is the setting of the stage for the squeeze uh, 
to take place. And you're seeing what Brother Branham described in one of my opening statements there about the closing of the Gentiles. So now all of a sudden we have a trickle-down effect of, uh, you know, all the deficits from uh, the, the pandemic and all the other things that are taking place and the rise of inflation and all the other things that are going on in our world, and now we're starting to feel it out here. So it isn't just the Ukraine conflict here. It isn't just one thing or another. But you people in finance know that eventually there comes a payday and we've got to kind of uh, deal with these deficits after a while. And it kind of trickles out to the common man and they're looking at the gas pump and no one falls asleep at the gas pump, that's for sure. Brother Bram said these powers are mixed up, all mixed up in a color pale and death spoke in the whole thing political Religious, demon powers all mixed together. Politics, he's the king of politics. Satan is smart. And don't try to outwit him. Just trust the Lord. And that's exactly what we need to do here. We have to trust the Lord because uh, there are things that are happening in the world that are hard to figure out. So let me give you a couple of little statements here. Germany sees massive dip in Russian exports because it's not allowed to export to Russia. It's not allowed to sell things to Russia But there's an uptick in China imports. Now, this article is long, and I won't go into the details here about it. But look at the subtitle. Despite trying to wean itself off Russian energy imports, Germany is paying record prices for them. Why? Even though they're getting less volume, they're paying more per barrel for the oil. So the amount of money that's going back to Russia is actually more than what it was before the conflict started, believe it or not. At the same time, Berlin has built up a huge import surplus with Beijing. Ah, guess what? Well, as soon as you create a vacuum, somebody steps in there, right? And the Chinese are right there to say, hey, we'll take over. So economists found that the exports to the Russian Federation already slumped for April 2022. And this was mostly in machinery here. But in that last paragraph, at the same time, sharp decline in exports to Russia were also uh, offset by significant increase in imports in April 2022. So according to the uh, status, the German imports from Russia rose by 41.9%, which is $3.7 billion. But what that translates into is that Russia is actually pumping more oil to Europe uh, than before the war, and refineries are cashing in on cheap euro crude because the price of their oil has gone down because they have more surplus of it, and they have what's called more floating oil. Floating oil is oil that's bound in tankers that people don't want to have dock at their docks. So they call it a floating surplus of oil. It's just floating out there in the ocean waiting for somebody to buy it. And when they finally make agreements to it, you know, they can, uh, they can uh, offload it from their ships there. Because it's interesting, the embargo for oil is only for oil that comes on ships. It's not for oil that is on pipelines. So the pipeline thing is a big deal. This is the Zuba pipeline, which runs out of Russia, comes through Ukraine and Belarus there, and comes into Germany. And a lot of that oil is still flowing, at least for now. Since Russia invaded Ukraine in February, the amount of its oil pumped into the block has been increasing, and it rose by 14% between January and April. This many barrels per day. The article goes on to say, and you can have all of this. I have, uh, obviously, it's going to be on our website, and you're certainly welcome to have it. You want to research it, and all the websites are there, so you can take a look at it. Uh, 
The increase in the value of imports is largely because of the skyrocketing prices of oil and gas rather than increases in volume purchased. So the prices of it are going up, and so therefore there's money flowing, more money that's flowing back into Russia. Now, just briefly, the biggest import goods from Russia were crude oil and natural gas, which increased by this amount. And other important import goods were coal and petroleum and coal, the report said, in terms of volume, however, the trend went in the opposite direction, and fewer goods were imported uh, from Russia than in the same month a year earlier. So because of the embargo, let me just in, interpret that and say, because of the embargo, it's, it's much more difficult or impossible to sell to Russia, but they're able to still sell their oil because there's a dependency on it uh, over on this side. They're trying to wean themselves away from it, but because the prices have gone up, uh, therefore, they're actually having more money to spend. And there's one of these screens here that shows that they received so far this year $93 billion to fund their war, even though they're supposed to be uh, having, experiencing more restrictions. It's a very complicated process. It's very complicated. And if you think uh, that all the tree huggers over here and the people who don't want anybody to drill and all of that kind of stuff are making a difference, uh, even though in theory, in theory, uh, you know, the, the, the efforts to, to reduce global emissions and carbon emissions and all of that stuff is, is ongoing in our world, let me tell you, oil and gas still have a very powerful part to play in the world we live in today. And it is shaping many things. Now, this article was so significant, I printed this out and gave it, uh, gave it out. So uh, we have, uh, you should have a copy of it. You really only need one per family because it's not the kind of a thing that all the kids would want to read along on. But this deals with Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia is emerging as a really interesting character in all of this. And this article just came out, I believe it was yesterday, and... It's about Mr. Biden's potential trip in a couple of weeks to go over to Saudi Arabia and to meet face-to-face with MBS. And uh, MBS is Mohammed bin Salman, Salman, uh, who is the son of the former king of uh, Saudi Arabia. And uh, he's the guy who's, who's trying to change Saudi Arabian culture and their society in a major, major way. And... Uh, as a result of that, because they have so much money and such vast wealth there, they're able to finance lots of different things around the world. So it is, it is behooved the United States since the days of Eis- uh, Roosevelt, sorry, uh, to be f- real friends with the Saudi Arabians because of the amount of oil that they produce and how they supply the rest of the world with uh, petroleum that they need. Now, the article is really interesting here, but I want to just, uh, just take a couple of little pieces of it here. And this is the inside story of how the administration came to slowly realize that Saudi Arabia was too valuable to keep at arm's length. Because even though Saudi Arabia has a horrible record of human rights and lots of violations of it, which are very blatant and well-known, they're too important a player to let go. Because as soon as they let go, guess who comes through the door? to put their arm around the Saudis, but the Russians and the Chinese. 
And so the Chinese are actually the biggest customer of Saudi Arabia at the moment here. But let's just take a quick look here. It would be naive to think that oil and immediate uh, U.S. economic pressures aren't a major factor in Biden's decision to travel to Saudi Arabia. Well, what does that mean? Just stop for a minute. It means that we have a re-election about to happen. And in re-elections, we know that economies matter. When people feel good economically and feel good about their jobs and their future, that makes a difference in terms of who's elected. When you have inflation, which appears to be running away, you have to do something drastic in order to tame that. Otherwise, taxpayers really pay through the nose for more things like gas and oil. And so, therefore, this effort of Mr. Biden going to Saudi Arabia is a part of that process of making sure things calm down by the time we get to elect the election cycle. So that's part of the reason that this is happening here. Stay with me. There's also this really interesting relationship between Saudi Arabia and Israel. And they're, they're kind of shaking hands together and doing all kinds of investments and deals together. And uh, that is a kind of a story in itself and something worth watching. So one of the things that they're trying to do is get Saudi Arabia to pump more oil and put more oil on the market because when you do that, naturally prices are going to go down. But it's interesting because the Russians and OPEC Plus are the two major organizations who establish the price of oil in the world. And they have a strong agreement made together. And they don't want to reduce the price by putting more oil on the market. And uh, as a result of that, uh, the Russians still have a finger in all of this that takes place. Plus, let me add this little piece in. One of the reasons why the Israelis don't speak much against the Russians is because the Russians and the Israelis have an agreement made and signed which allows them, the Israelis, to fly over Syrian airspace in the event that Iran attacks them. Now, Russia controls Syria. And it would be unthinkable for, in the past for Israel to fly over Syria to strike at Iran very quickly in case it was a nuclear attack. And Iran is moving full steam ahead with a, with a nuclear program. I realize a lot of this stuff is kind of theoretical, but just hang with me here for a minute. So the Russians and the Israelis made an agreement and said, in the event of an attack, we're going to allow you to fly over Syrian airspace and strike Iran very quickly instead of having to go around Jordan and, you know, through Iraq, which is kind of uh, tenuous, and, or go the, the other route down here. And uh, therefore, we're, we're going to make this agreement. We're going to turn a blind eye. And they have this system worked out whereby when Israeli jets take off from the ground and fly over Syria, they have this de-escalation program, which is already in place, and they said, we're going to alert the Russians, and they're going to alert the Syrians, and we're not going to shoot down Israeli planes that are flying over. It's the only kind of agreement that exists like that in the world, but they made it so that they can kind of scratch each other's back, and it has to do with the, with the permissions that the Russians get to bring oil from Syria, put it on the market, and all, all the other things that oil is connected with. Hey, it's, it's amazing how the strings all work. Kind of looks like, kind of looks like all, where all the pipelines go in Europe. This is the gas and oil pipeline map for Europe. And this is a big deal. This is why all of this is pretty important here. Let's just go back for a moment. 
A second sentence there. Both the U.S. and Saudi officials say that while in the kingdom, the two sides will also unveil a broader partnership that involves agreements on infrastructure. This is what they're going to be talking about now besides oil. Infrastructure, which is roads, buildings, hospitals, schools, and they want the Americans to be involved in that. And cyber security, cyber intelligence, all of that uh, part, with ambitious projects such as, watch this, excavating water from the moon to mapping space, to developing a 6G network. Officials won't say publicly this is about competition with China. Plans to create production hubs across a number of sectors throughout the Middle East that will make the region and the world less reliant on Chinese supply chains, which is part of our problem now. So this whole idea of trying to stay in in league with the uh, with the uh, with the Russians and, and the Saudis who are very tight together, it, it, it's a very, very compli- thing, complicated thing. And so that's why uh, there's a lot of talk about having some sort of a compromise now to end the Ukrainian war. Let me add one more little piece. You have this in your article here. This article will be on our website as well. But just let me add this little piece here. <clears throat> one of the reasons that the White House is interested in courting the uh, going over and sitting down and talking with the Saudis is that if they don't, they realize, and I'm quoting here, they'll drive the country further into the arms of Russia and China, whose growing ties with the kingdom had become even more concerning to Washington than the Saudi relationship with Moscow. So in other words, Beijing has really become a bigger player in the Middle East here. MBS has recently invited President Xi Jinping from China, to visit Riyadh and was reportedly considering pegging some oil sales to Chinese yuan. I'm surprised you didn't react more to that, but let me say this. Chinese yuan is a Chinese currency. And if between those two countries they begin to link oil, the price of oil, to Chinese yuan instead of American dollars, we have the potential of the beginning of a shift of the reserve currency of the world. Let me tell you, that's a real, real big thing. And there are military plans to prevent that from happening in the U.S. There are military plans that are in place to prevent this from happening. So this is a really, really big thing. That's why I'm quoting it here. The last sentence here. Most concerning were the kingdom's plans to purchase ballistic missiles from Beijing, something that the Democratic lawyers noted in their letter to Mr. Biden. So in other words, when Biden announced that they were going to go over and actually sit down and talk to the Saudis, there was a group of senators who wrote a letter to him and handed it to him right away and said, read this before you decide whether you're going to go. And that letter contained a threat for them to make sure that the Saudis do whatever you need to do to prevent the Saudis from buying missiles and military hardware and aircraft and supersonic jets and all that technology from the Chinese. Because if you do, you're going to take it away from American enterprise over here. And those senators who have constituents who have factories where they make those jets and so forth would obviously suffer from that. I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazingly complicated. It's amazingly, uh, all, all, I'm, all I'm showing to you is that all of this is so interconnected. It isn't just two nations squaring off. It's all the nations of the earth that are affected by either oil, the price of oil, the price of gas, uh, the price of grain, uh, a loaf of bread, tra- food traveling on highways, you know, to get, uh, to get to where it needs to go in a grocery store. 
and, and the, the, the trickle-down effect of how it will happen to us. Now, let's just say, let's just say that if we're dealing with the deficits we are in this country and then, you know, we have to deal with this for a sustained period of time, what if there was another pandemic? And I'm just saying, <laughs> some of you are saying quit while you're ahead, just stop where you're at. Well, I, I'm only saying that because the Bible says in Matthew 24, when Jesus referred to this, he said, pestilences, plural. I'm just saying what he said. So the, the problem is, is that, you know, with good intentions, and, and as, as that quote says in the fourth seal there, where Brother Bram said, it's politics. And so the whole thing is about getting reelected. It's not about fixing the problem. It's looking good in the election cycle to get reelected. So we still had the problem. No matter who's elected, we still had the problem. Because the problems in this world are destined to be there, according to Luke 21. Well, men's hearts will fail for fear, for fear of those things coming on the earth. And, and the, the lack of solutions thereof in, in, our, in our world. It's just absolutely amazing. So I've been asked the question, then what can we do? Well, there are, there are real situations. And here's just a couple. The village of uh, Kharkov is under bombardment now. And a ballistic missile uh, landed there uh, a day ago. And this was sent to me today. There is one sister, Ina, uh, who lives there. They're safe. They pray a lot. They undergo quite a serious challenge. And luckily, the bank cards still function. Uh, there's no bank, money gram. There's no Western Union there. But this certain sister can transfer money uh, to her, and then they can re- she can disperse it in her area. And this is the kind of thing that we have to do now in order to get funds to these people who are in these areas who pray a lot. They pray a lot to survive. They pray a lot to exist from day to day. They pray a lot to uh, just make ends meet over there. And, you know, for me, I mean, hey, listen, I put in a lot of data here this evening, but I'd just like to say this, that, uh, you know, when, when you see your, your brothers and sisters like this who are in need, to me, I like to do what we can. I like to do whatever is possible rather than just sit there and look at it as a headline. And I'm not saying you are doing that, but, uh, you know, the people in the world, they look at it as a headline, then they look at that headline, they look at some other headline. Hey, these are the people that we'll sit at the marriage supper with. That's the way I look at it. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty here. I'm just saying that these are members of the bride. And I think about it in terms of what if that was us going through that? I'd want somebody over there to have a PowerPoint and show this is what they're dealing with in America here. Let's do what we can to help them out. I, I, think, I think that's what we should do. I mean, I, I can give you lots of Bible verses that tell us that we should do that. Here's another one. A village near uh, Formakova, uh, which is where Brother Manas lives in the center There's a group of believers, and these were given to me. I never rewrote these or touched these. They were given to me. Very poor remote village, about seven people there. And men got drafted into territorial defense, which they're put like in a national guard, and they're put on uh, defense of their own villages. They cannot receive money, Graham. However, we have a brother in his church in uh, Lithuania, and uh, they have a channel who uh, they're able to send funds through there. So these are all brand new that we have never uh, dealt with these people before. There's a family uh, in Netshin who is, uh, has a wife and two kids, no military actions around them. However, they have financial dif- difficulties due to economic situation and skyrocketing prices, and they, have a, uh, they still have MoneyGram over there, so we're able to uh, send funds through over there. Here's, here's another one that's there. It's just amazing how, uh, you know, the, these uh, requests are very real. There are families that are uh, connected to that. Here's what Brother Branham says. And why don't we have our uh, musicians just slip up here, if you will. Why don't we stand to our feet? I pray, Brother Branham says, that you'll manifest yourself now in the great powers of the resurrection when that 
great bomb does fly this way, that Sputnik with thousands of Russian soldiers with their atomic bombs hanging there, surrender or go to dust. He said, oh, what could we do? When that happens, he said, what could we do? Oh, God, he said, the church will be gone then. When this thing breaks into a global kind of a strife and they're capable of sending their bombs this way, I believe God's going to take the bride out of this out of this old earth before that ever happens. I'm thankful for that. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that, that God has his eye on the bride, and he knows exactly where, where things are. He knows exactly how things are heating up here. So I need you to understand as you leave tonight that this, this uh, situation in Ukraine is not going away. Uh, there's less news. There's less believers that are in the country. There are some that are scattered out. We still have contact with them, but uh, there are believers that are still there. We're, we're endeavoring to do all we can to keep in touch with them, to channel resources to them. And I want you, if you don't mind, just to continue to remember them in prayer. And when you gather your family around, just, just remind each other, Lord, we're thankful for what we have. We're thankful for the fact that we put our head on the pillow and we don't hear missiles going over the top of our house. We're thankful that we have a nice church with air conditioning. And we don't have the pastor getting up and saying, hey, folks, time to leave. Time to leave the community and go, go somewhere else. It's not safe here anymore. We're thankful for that. Thankful that we don't have to face the threat of what what will the future hold on, on this earth. We know about the future in glory. We have descriptions of that. But in this life, we don't know tomorrow what, uh, you know, in Ukraine, they don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. They don't know what it's going to be like. And so for me, I, I just, I, I pray for these folks. And I, I, I just want to encourage you to do that. And all the people that are listening, just encourage you to do that. Because anytime you have a, situation like this anytime in our world today there's politics involved there's money involved there's resources involved weapons shipments all of this stuff money price of money price of oil price of food all of these things are factors and there comes a point where people start making compromises and all the rest and it's politics it's that horse rider that went down through the ages still riding all wound up together in that pale horse in the last day so what you're seeing is prophecy actually unfolding. You're seeing the fulfillment of what uh, the book of Revelation talks about. And these nations moving into place and so forth, that's exactly what Revelation 17 is. God puts in their heart to fulfill his word. He's got, a, he's got an agenda, and he's got the final say. And he puts it in the hearts of these leaders and kings and armies to move in a certain way and do certain things. Hey, all of that is not to satisfy their national agenda. It's to satisfy God's word and prophecy. In the last day. And you're witnesses of it. You're sitting here looking at the pictures of it. And to see that uh, unfolding and taking place. It may seem a little technical. It may seem a little uh, tedious, you know, with the, uh, all the different screens. Let me tell you, I didn't show you all. But in the middle of that, and as a result of that, there are good people who were caught in the vice of the pressures of these nations. And the, and the pressure of these wars and nations fighting one another. All this big money moving around and price of oil and all the rest of it. It seems like it's a million miles away. But there are good people that are caught in the crush of all of those geopolitical things taking place. What a day. What a day we live in. So to do what we can to help them, I think we should. But certainly we should pray for them. And let's do that. Heavenly Father, 
We see, Lord, in the events of this world, in the cosmos, Lord, there are events that are taking place that your prophet warned us about. And sometimes, Lord, just he saw little things, Lord, like little comments he made about Russia, little comments he made about bombs flying different things, Lord, which back in the 60s may not have been really relevant. But now, Lord, we look at our world and see it falling apart and desperate nations doing desperate things to try to hold on to power and accumulate wealth. And, Lord, there are believers still in the earth, and our hearts go out to them. We desire, Lord Jesus, that you would move on their behalf. Lord, I'm thankful for the compassionate hearts of believers all over the world who, Lord, are participating in helping bring relief to those poor people, Lord. And I ask, oh God, that you would help us. We could sit back and just give it all to you, Lord, but I I believe that I'd rather be known as like that man who found that other man on the road from Jericho who was beat up by the robbers and he picked him up, put him on his donkey and brought him to the motel and said charge whatever he needs on my account. And he rendered assistance. He showed compassion. Lord, I'd rather be known for doing something like that than just to be standing by. I pray it help us, Lord, as an assembly to continue, Lord, to fight for these people and pray for these people and to Support them in whatever way we can. Lord, we know that these are your children that you've died for. These are members of the body of Christ. They'll be in glory one day with us. It isn't important, Lord, that anybody knows our name or the name of our church or anything else, Lord. It's just important that they know someone cares about them. Someone loves them. And Lord, I pray now that you would give us wisdom and knowing, Lord, how to proceed. Pray you'd be our guide and our strength, Lord. I thank you for our church and all we've been able to accomplish, Lord. Father, have your way, we pray, and we'll give it all to you. Protect those people, Lord, we pray, and watch over them. And we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ and for your glory. And amen. And amen. And amen. The day of redemption is near. Men's hearts are failing for fear. the spirit your lamps trimmed and clear look up your redemption is here yes a day of redemption is here men's heart are failing for fear. Be filled with the Spirit. 
redemption is here. God still moves. Right key. God still moves. Still moves. Does not sleep. Nor does he slumber. God still moves. God still moves God still moves God still moves in the hearts God still moves does not sleep nor does he slumber God still moves, God still moves, God still moves, God still moves, in the hearts, does not sleep, nor does he slumber. God still moves. God still moves. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One Give thanks Because He's given Jesus Christ His Son Oh, give thanks With a grateful heart We give thanks To the Holy One Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. And let the poor say, I am rich because of what? Give thanks. 
with a grateful heart we give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. Oh, give thanks with a grateful heart. We give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ, His Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Because of what the Lord has done. dismiss us with your blessing we pray help us in the days ahead to make wise choices be sensitive to your leadership in everything that's set before us bless this assembly guide us lord in your perfect will in jesus name we pray Let's sing that little chorus more. We've been made more than conquerors as we go tonight. May God bless you. Thank you for coming. We've been made more than conquerors. Overcomers in this life. We've been made victorious. blood of Jesus Christ. We've been made more than conquerors, overcomers in this life. We've been made victorious. Hey.